Welcome to Solutions, when men come out of the shadows to testify, giving tips in manhood, honor the codes of integrity, and give out real solutions for soul survival. Today, we have on the show a producer, a musician, an up-and-coming media personality, knowing and praising knowledge and giving you entrepreneurship information, a soon graduate of Berkeley College in 2021, and an EP of the New Frame of Mind and Black Mentality. Y'all know him. He goes by D-Rim, Mr. D-Info, none other than Derek Rimson. What's going on, D? What's going on, my brother? How are you, man? I'm good, man. I'm happy you came in today to drop these gems. Well, definitely, man. I'm gonna try my best, man. Try my best to, to answer every question. <laughs> hey, man, as long as you dropping them gems and we can pick them up and take them to the bank and cash in, life is yes, grand. Sir. Most definitely, most definitely. Ready to get this thing started? Yes, sir. What person did you meet or see that gave you the drive towards the man you are today? Who or what defined you? Uh, God, first and foremost, but I would say my dad. My dad was the very first person that I literally looked up to from childhood to current because he basically taught me how to be professional how to be punctual, you know, he's a pastor, but he also ran a corporation. So he taught me how to handle work in a corporate setting, the, you know, the importance of being on time, how to dress apart, you know, how to, you know, me wearing suits and me loving how to dress up and treat, how to treat women. You know, I got it all from my dad. That's the very first person, how I was raised, my mannerism, you know, you know, especially growing up in his era, you know, it transferred to how chivalry is not dead at all because I learned it from my dad. So he was the first person to teach me how to treat people, how to talk to people, um, how to basically be a wonderful business person, have business sense. And also the first person to teach me faith, you know, not fear, mm -hmm. not self-doubt. That was the first person, you know, I was in tune when I'll go to Bible study because it came from his voice. So that's what taught me how to be a faith believer and not a self-doubter in most cases. Man, you just said a mouthful. I just want to stay right here for one moment. Those lessons and gems he gave you on how to dress and how to play the game where you're playing it at. Can you give us a moment where you you realized he was teaching you a lesson? He was like, oh, you, you was teaching me this. Oh, you taught me this. There was one, <laughs> it's funny you said that. It was, I remember he, we was in uh, his leadership conference. And this was recently too. This is like maybe three years ago. It was a little bit while ago, but three years ago, he was teaching us the right suits to wear to a business conference. And he was saying, you know, you have to understand the difference between a black suit, a blue suit, and not wear, like, don't show up to a meeting in a white suit type of thing. But it wasn't like he was judging. It was kind of like when you go to like a corporate meeting, you have to, you have to look very professional. Then he taught me about timing because, you know, I have a label, uh, Rhythm Avenue Entertainment, and my mom is one of my first artists. And we were in a situation a couple of times because my dad was used to musicians coming late to rehearsals, coming late on Sundays, you know, coming 25, 30 minutes late. And one time he fired 
some of his musicians one time because they just kept coming late. And I didn't understand it at first. I'm like, well, dad, like you didn't have to, he's like, no, son, I'm trying to teach you something. Cause when you have a real like business meeting or when you have a deadline or when you're doing a real show and people come late, that could be a bad, that could be a bad look on you. And then when I started working at the skating rink and I started doing like shows myself, I realized when I came late, I looked like the bad guy because people were looking at me like, why are you late? Like, you know, come on time. And then I, I did the same thing with my mom. Musicians would come late to sound check. And it was like, okay, I get what my dad was saying. I was like, you know, I remember when he was like, yeah, you can't come late. So now I make sure I'm at every studio session one hour before time. I come to sound check 30 minutes before sound check even starts. Cause to professionals, it's like, yo, I really want to work with this dude because I tell people talent fails to work hard. And there's a lot of talented people, but that professionalism, it goes out, it, it's, it's like it goes out the window when you don't focus on being punctual, you know, being on time, showing up to meetings, you know, getting the lobby calls, you know, that was one important lesson that I learned. Man, you said a mouthful about professionalism in this business that we're in, especially the music business where most people think showing up on, showing up late is cool. So when you run into professionalism, you make people up their game, but initially they don't realize that they can't be as lackadaisical as they usually are. So my hat's off to your dad for teaching you that because I've always showed up early for things and I take show day, media day very seriously more than most people. And like you said, sometimes my musician friends out there could be a little bit, hey, it's cool, it's cool, it's all right. No, it's not. Yeah, yeah, it's not. <laughs> Yeah, you're Do right. Do you have it's a not. vision board? Do I have vision? Oh yes, I have. I have a lot of them. I have a lot of vision boards. Um, I have one on my phone. I have one on my iPad, and I have boxes of vision in, in my boxes when I moved out here to to Nevada. So I still carry them wait, with me. Wait, 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 wait! Right there, you have boxes of vision. Please break that down. Um, boxes meaning I've I've been doing I've been writing my own visions. Like I said, this goes back to my dad because he taught me faith and vision. So. Like he would teach me, you know, one of the scriptures is, you know, write down a vision and make it plain. And for you to, if you have a dream is, is one thing to dream it, but then it's another thing to write it down. So he will always teach me write stuff down. Like if you want to get something accomplished, write it down. And when I went to basketball camp, I met a lady named Lisa Leslie. She's an Olympic gold medalist. And she used to always say, write down your goals, write down what you want to achieve. And I wrote down everything I want to achieve. But at my age, you know, we like stuff that's visual and we like pictures, you know, more than words. So then that's when I started taking pictures from Google. And I was a weirdo, man. Like I would go to like Office Max and Office Depot and I would like print out certain things before they, they said you can print out pictures from Google. But at the time I would go print out houses and where I want to live the type of woman that I, I want to be with or the, the, you know, how much money I want at a certain age or where I want to, you know, what kind of business I wanted. So, and then I, it got so bad to the point where it was not bad, but I would write checks to myself. Like I have checks on my vision board, like how much money that I want to give to my dad or my mom or, you know, how much, you know, I'm getting from a record label for royalties and I would put it under my bed, under my pillow. And I put it all in the box and then I would look at houses. I'll print out houses and put it in the box. And I took those same pictures and I put them in my phone. So every morning when I wake up, 
and I look at my phone, the first thing you see is my vision board. So I have so much vision, like breaking down from the time I started doing it when I was 17. And the crazy thing is with a vision board at 17, 18, the more you write it down, you realize you're, you're, you're checking stuff off and you don't even realize it, but you're like, wait a minute. Like, I remember I said, I want to do this and I'm, I actually did it already. And then you realize, you know, your plans are a little bit too small. <laughs> so that's why I have boxes and boxes of vision. Cause some vision that I've, I've wrote down, it's like, I've accomplished it. So I try to write more and more and more all the time. Well, please give me an apex goal that you did achieve. And that also give me one that you're currently chasing. I would say one bizarre one I wrote down when I was, even before I was 16, I actually wrote down vision when I was younger, but when I was eight years old, I wrote down this crazy vision that I wanted to meet Michael Jordan. And my family never, you know, you gotta keep in mind, you know, people are accustomed to their own environment. So a lot of people, they've never met celebrities before ever. You know, the biggest celebrity that they met was, you know, either people from church or, you know, people from their job that would come in. But saying Michael Jordan, and you gotta keep in mind, this is back in 97, hmm. 98, 99. You know, Michael Jordan was the biggest, biggest, biggest like person, not just athlete, like American icon. You know, Michael didn't even meet people around that time. So for you to say, I'm gonna meet Michael Jordan, that was like, you, you're really in fantasy world. So people would tell me like, man, be quiet, get out of here. You ain't going. And I wrote it down. And two years later, I was in front of Michael Jordan at his camp. It was like, when you write stuff down, things actually happen. Now, God's not a genie in a lamp at all. But just when you believe, and you keep bugging people about it, and you write it down, you'd be so surprised. So from that, I took that, and then I applied that to everything else that I did. I kept saying, you know, I want to start a record label. Or, you know, and then I wrote that down, and now I have a label. And then right now, I'm saying things like, I want to do a TV network. And I want to do a partnership with with uh, with Warner and Fox. That's like my long term goal. And I want to own a basketball team. And you know, those are like really what I've been trying to work on. But right now, at 29, I'm talking about winning more Grammys than Kanye West. I say that all the time to my family. Like I'm gonna win more Grammys than Kanye. I'm gonna win more Grammys than Quincy Jones. And they be looking at me like, dude, you're like you're really crazy. But I actually have it written down. And not saying that I'm at that point yet, but I'm seeing God work in a way where I'm so close because of the creativity, the music that's coming out, the music that I'm putting out, the networks that I'm, I've been making, you know, meeting you and meeting a lot of producers, like going to conferences. It's like, I see God is putting me in areas where he, I'm getting closer to that goal because I wrote it down and I'm looking at it every single morning. Man, you're not a weirdo, man. You're manifesting the God in you. You're manifesting to, you're talking to the universe. You're doing everything that this show wants to let everybody know they can do. And you just said things and dropped gems that I hope and I pray that people heard what you said about manifesting, bugging people, because this is what you need for your energy to shine. Yes, well, definitely. Along that road of all these goals and all these visions, what did you sacrifice? I sacrificed friends family time like right now like it was funny I was talking to my talking to my girl about how I don't really have a social life 
and I tried my best to have a social life, but because I was so focused on my dream, it took away from having to go out, having to just, you know, put down the music. Like I work on music constantly. If I'm not doing music, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm writing down what I want to achieve. And as a creative, there's no off switch. Like there's no such thing as off. Like it can be three o'clock in the morning and God can give you an idea to write something and you get up out the bed and you write. Like there's no, okay, I gotta go to sleep at 10 o'clock. Like my girl would tell me all the time, like Mount Everest wasn't built in one day. She would throw that out there, but then it's like, as a creative, we, 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 be trying to, we be trying to build that in like literally in 24 hours if we have to, like we would, we would lose sleep until it's finalized. So because of my work ethic, I've sacrificed friendships. You know, I've sacrificed going, going out a lot. You know, I had to watch, you know, it's kind of like when you're a little kid and you're on punishment and, or you're in school and you're watching everybody at recess and you're looking from the window and you can't go outside and play because you got to do work. Like, that's really how it feels. That's part of the sacrifice, you know, but that's part of, you know, God giving you a gift. You know, are you willing to put the work in or are you going to do it when it's convenient? And I had to sacrifice, you know, doing things like, you know, going bowling and things like that. And then it will always be presented to me. And then, you know, you got to keep in mind, man, I'm in college too. Like, that's the first thing people say when you go to school. Like, you get to go to parties, you get to meet people and make friends. And I mean, I have yet to do that all the time. Like, like right now I'm in Vegas and, you know, this, this like this one of the, like the hot spots for socializing and hanging out and going out all the time. And me, it's just like, no, I'd rather be at the house and make music all day. You know, and people are like, yo, you're so not a fun person, but it's like, I'm, I rather, you know, like, yeah. and like Dame Dad said in the video, like, you know, I rather be okay with not paying my kids' bills now, but I rather be happy when I got to pay my grandkids' bills later. You know, yeah. like it's a marathon, not a sprint. So I'm learning how to trust the process. And sometimes that process means that, you know, you, you might got to be okay with, you know, saying no. You know, you got to be okay with not showing up to weddings and birthday parties. And sometimes you might forget people's birthdays because you're so focused, you know. When you have tunnel vision and people are not in that hallway with you is because they're not a, a part of the vision. They're not a part of the journey. They're not the person you're supposed to meet while you're walking that way. Now, it's good to stop and peek your head out the vision and say, hey, how you doing? You're all right. But the person you say, hey, how you doing to? If they're your friend, they're going to say, man, stick your head back in that tunnel and keep going forward. You know you got okay. something to do. Those right. are the friends that see that, yo, I'm not even going to call him because I know he making music right now. Matter of fact, let me see if he hungry. Stop by. Let me stop by and bring him some food before we dip out. Those are your friends, the ones who, who understand your plight and keep you as a friend. Yeah. And they make adjustments towards your purpose. I mean, and, 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 and yeah, you're right. And you know, and you said something too about tunnel vision because it's very rare. You don't have, I'm not saying everybody's like this, but it's like, it's very rare how many actual real friends are actually gonna, actually gonna look at you and say, you know what? I know what you're doing. So this is not your, you know, this is not your lifestyle. I'd rather have you stay in a studio, you know, like it's a scene in, um, the, in the movie Notorious where I think D-Rock, Big's best friend, he believed in him so much that he, he was willing to go to jail. Like, mm -hmm. dude, like you about to change the world. Like, I don't want you going down with me. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, it's so rare, rare to have friends like that that actually believe in you so much where they know, nah, dude, this, this, this ain't your lifestyle. Like, nah, man. Like, no, don't go out with us today. Like, you, you got a record to finish. Like, but it's like now it's like people don't believe in your dreams like that where it's like they're going to be willing to say, like, dude, work on music. You come out with us anytime. But now it's like, dude, just take a break, man. You, you, you need to have fun. Take a break. Like, and you got to be able to tell people, like, look, man, like, I can't, you Some, know, that's somewhere, why. somewhere along the lines, you went from dreaming to escaping. And that's the problem. Yeah. We went from dreaming, <laughs> went from dreaming where you dream of your reality, where you dream, you wake up and go get it to escaping your reality. Yeah. So there's more people escaping than there are people dreaming and going and putting action. And what you said, those things come at a very high price and a high point. You want to get yourself all the way up. But talk to me about your lowest moment. And I want, and this is not just to get all in your business. This is for the people out there that say, you know what? I was dealing with that too, but I don't want to know. I just don't want to know your lowest moment. I would like to know how you got up. This is that gem is like, okay, this is how I got up from this because I needed to, or we had to, or you're still currently going through. I, well, as, as I said before, I, I am a pastor's son. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot that goes with that mentally. And this is not to bash the church because if it wasn't for church, I probably wouldn't be the man I am today. But it was a lot of mental, mental fight that I had to put up with, like, you know, watching my dad get talked to any kind of way, being disrespected, you know, people telling me like, you know, that you're not good enough. And, and as a kid in high school, I had teachers tell my parents that, you know, I had ADHD, I had mental problems that I need to, you know, I had to go to special ed, like, my parents would literally go to the school and my principal would actually say this to their face. And that, that affected me as a kid, you know, and then anxiety started to pick up. I started to have a little bit of insecurity because of it, but because of sports and because of music, I picked myself up in a way. And I think that's how I told my mom, I was like, that's why I got attached to headphones. Cause it was like you said early about escapism. You know, when I had headphones in my ear, it was like nobody could tell me anything. You could literally say whatever to me, but I had headphones in my ear. I knew music at some point that was going to block out every negative thing that was ever said about me, said about my family, you know. And then there was days even in the music part, like certain musicians that I wanted to network with, you know, you kept hearing that phrase, well, you know, well, you're not ready yet because you're too young. You know, it was kind of like that, the disrespect of, okay, should I say I am old enough to play with you or I'm old enough to, you know, I'm better than you type of thing. Kind of like the Michael Jordan, take it personal. You know, it's like, should I take it personal or should I not take it personal? Cause some people say like, you know, don't take it personal, but it's like, it's kind of hard to not take stuff personal when you're being disrespectful. Like when, you know, when your principals are constantly telling you, telling your parents that your son has, mental issues and he's too hyper and he needs to be in special ed like that can really damage especially a black man like that's damaging you know to tell a black man that you got mental health issues you know how many black people have suffered with that growing up to hear negative all the time and even though it's not as traumatic you know it's not really as catastrophic as other people's problems but i tell people mentally 
you wrestle with that as a kid and you really believe that you believe like well maybe i do have mental issues maybe i do have adhd you know and i probably did have adhd growing up you know but i'm like just to hear negative negative seeds all the time you know for you to tell people like i'm going to be a millionaire and people just shoot down your dream instantly you know like i said i was a pastor's son so people say like no you, you, you're not going to be no musician you're going to be a pastor just like your dad and that was discouraging for me it was like like you know like you said vision i'm here i am writing down all this vision believing in myself and then you get hit with negative all the time like that could really mess with you and it messed with me for quite some time until i got maybe 23 and that was the first time i said you know what f it like ain't nobody gonna stop what i really want to do in life is my life and if you don't like it then there's the door you know i ain't got no problem telling you <laughs> you know my mom's like you, you got to be careful how you say things i'm like no i don't I, everybody know i love my dad but i'm not gonna sit here and sugarcoat my dreams or sugarcoat how i feel about life just because you know my dad's a pastor and a bishop like no i got my own life just like he got his own life just like you got your own life you know and because of that i've gotten stronger mentally like i've learned how to listen to my gut feeling and from there on out, I've been, I've mentally, I've been able to come out of those low points because when you're 20, that's, you know, as you're learning, suicide rate is high for, for people my age because they're fighting with mental, like a mental struggle with people talking down to them, not believing in them, not listening, you know? So from that, man, I'm able to, you know, bounce out of that. Man, that's an amazing story. Uh, I don't believe in ADHD. I just believe in certain t certain kids have more ambition and more energy than most. And yeah. I think they want everyone to be on one set level base when they go to a school. And sometimes you meet special children who need more attention because they just have more light. That is my opinion and I'm sticking to it. And That's true. I don't believe in ADHD, brother. So I'm happy that you made it through that. I'm happy that energy, you found a place to channel that energy. That's all they needed to do for you. Right. And you found your headphones and then you found your sound and then you found your musicianship and you found your purpose after you found yourself a channel. It's all about channeling that energy. All of us need to channel energy. Some of our energy comes out physically and some of our energy comes out tranquil, but it's all a channel that needs to be tuned up and all goes back to having a vision, right? Yes, most definitely. Tell me. How important it is to leave where you're from to develop yourself to where you're going. You said you met Michael Jordan at a camp. That means you left home to develop yourself. Yes. Yes. It, you know, <laughs> funny thing was when I first moved to California, because my, my dad always, he, he used to always tell me, man, like, California worked for you. Like, you, it's like you always enjoyed it. And I, I always tell him, I was like, the main thing I enjoyed about California was leaving home and going to Santa Barbara every summer because that was my time and then I, I was like like you said I actually found myself mentally I knew that I, I had I had to I really had the potential to be great because I was around greatness like I felt like when I was at school I didn't I didn't really you know and it's not to sound like it's braggadocious but it's like when you are around great people you don't want to go like beneath that 
Mm-hmm. So like when you're around greatness and then you go, you got to go back to school and you got to deal with, you know, people doing what they do, you know, like the conversations about girls. And even though it was, it was dope to talk about girls, but everything was about, you know, stuff that just didn't mean nothing. Like we were talking about like, you know, things that that's not like on the conversation I had with Michael Jordan, where it's on a whole nother scale. Mm-hmm. you know how to be the greatest player of all time or how to be the greatest musician of all time or be great at what you're great at but then you go to school and then people are laughing at you just because you tuck your shirt in it's like okay i could have went to camp a little bit longer so you know it was like 10 days so every year i would look forward to just those 10 days like i would it would be like october and i'd be like i can't wait for august to get here i'd be waiting counting up the days for august to get here Cause every time I went to camp, man, it was like my mind transformed like 360. It was like the way that my, like my thinking was different. Cause like they say, like when you're around great people, it would challenge you to be great. And you know, we all know Michael Jordan, like he's like, he has no, not like his nonsense level is on a hundred. Like if you're not trying to be great, then he doesn't want to talk to you. Like you can be a kid. Like if you don't if if you don't want greatness in yourself, he's not gonna deal with you. Like, and some people say like he's an a-hole for that, but like it's just he wants you to push yourself to think bigger, like to think, like to think great, not think average. And because I left home every summer and went to camp, like that's why my mind transformed 360. And it wasn't because I wanted to be a ball player, it was just I was around another great individual that you know, who was the greatest of all time, but his mindset was greatness. So that's how I started thinking. So that's why every year I'd be like, yo, I can't wait till August to get here. Cause it wasn't about me just wanting to play basketball. You know, I love basketball at the time, but it was really about me being around great people. Cause it wasn't just Michael Jordan that would come to the camp. Like I was around Kyle Massey, he was Disney Channel superstar at the time. He would come, a lot of celebrities would come. And it wasn't for me to just take a picture and. Like, let me get your autograph. It was really for me to learn information. Like, and they would give up free game all the time. Like Kyle Massey was teaching me about credit at like 13. Like he, you know, he was teaching me about investing. And like, like, like we're all 15 year old kids here. Like, so I don't really understand what you're talking about, but he's giving free game because he's getting those checks from Disney and he's talking about investing and Oh yeah, I'm not trying to do Disney shows forever because I'm about to invest. And as you see, he's not on TV, but he's making enough money with investments. And but he was t- telling me that at 15 years old. But when you go to school, it's like you don't have an investing class. Like classes don't teach you credit. They don't teach you, you know, generational wealth. It's you know, you got algebra two and calculus. Like you know, which is cool if you're a mathematician, but. Like, I need to learn how to buy a house. I need to learn how to buy a car. What's the difference between leasing a car and buying it and pre-owned? See, these celebrities at camp, they were teaching me that stuff. Like, oh no, you gotta get a pre-owned car. And I'm like, wow. So that's why I look forward to going every single year. My mind transformed 360. It, like it's, crazy, man. It's special, man. Being in a room with people who are smarter than you, more experienced and more mature than you, just elevates you. And it's not that you you were shunning school. I think it was more that you found your people and you yeah. understood that operating at a high level is what you needed. That was your level. Everybody else level that wasn't their level. And being around someone like Michael Jordan who demands greatness, it it shows you what it takes to be great. 
I don't think is anything wrong with a person who demands greatness around him only, or you can't be around him. I, yeah, it may have an a-hole quality to it, but the quality of life is different. The pH in the water is different. Yes. Talk to me about mentorship and fatherhood. Now we talked about your father already. But I want to talk about mentorship. So I know many people look up to you, got your music label, you focus. I know people want to tune into that quality. So talk to me about that. Um, well, one thing I've learned was, and I got it from my father, but with mentorship, one thing I've learned in my journey so far is if it doesn't make you happy, then don't do it. You know, I think we've been programmed mentally to to chase trends and to do things that everybody else is doing just because it looks cool and it looks nice. And one thing I learned from my dad, because my dad said this too, he used to always say like, when, when you were first born, I was dad. When you got older, I became a father. And now that you're grown, I am now a mentor. And I didn't, I didn't understand that till I was like, wow, it was true. Cause you know, when you, you know, when you're a little kid, you know, and you know, you know, you know, black parents, you know, you know, you know, spankings and whip you when you're, when you're a kid. And, and when you get to high school, then, you know, then they got to reprimand you and, you know, you, you got to be in the house at a certain time. <laughs> and when you get older and grown, I was like, whoopings and reprimand doesn't work anymore. Now I got to mentor you now. Now I got to give you advice on how to handle life on, you know, how to not get caught up in the wrong situation, how to handle business. Cause as I'm learning real life, even though I love school, I'm in college now, but I've been realizing that real business, school is not gonna be able to teach you that. Like when, when the real business hits you, it's the mentor that's gonna tell you, you know, you gotta watch out for such and such. And, you know, professors ain't gonna teach you but so much. Sometimes they're, they're kind of, they're getting a prepared lesson and they're reading exactly what they need to teach you because that's what they're getting paid to do. But a mentor, they're going to go deep and tell you, nah, man, like I did that before. Don't do this. Because if you do this, then you're going to end up doing that. And then you're going to go on this route. And this ain't the route you want to go. So then I try to, my experiences on insecurity and, you know, me telling people, because that's the whole base of why I do my vision over sense is because, like I said earlier, with a vision, it doesn't make sense to anybody. People are not going to understand it. Like, you know, your, you, you know, your friends are not going to understand it. Your mom, your dad, your uncle, you know, girlfriend is not going to understand it. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. You know, I've learned that with a vision, God gave it to you. He didn't give it to nobody else to understand. Because if, if, if everybody understood it, then everybody would take your vision and then they'll duplicate it. And then it's like you have nothing to show for. It's like everybody then took what's yours. You know, yeah. God gave it, God gave it to you. He didn't give it to nobody else. You know, that's what separates Steve Jobs and Walt Disney, you know, uh, you know, Jeff Bezos, you know, Kevin Hartz, you know, I, that's what separates all these great people from everybody else because they had a vision on how to do things. Steve Harvey, like the vision of you telling your teacher, I want to be on TV and your teacher saying like, you're crazy. You don't even come up to me with that. Because you're the stuttering day, right now. Yeah, because you're stuttering. And I had a yeah. stuttering problem too. So that inspired me. But it just comes from you doing things that you love and being okay with doing things that make you happy. You know, like I said, we're programmed to say, forget happiness, do what's right. 
you know, for, forget trying to forget trying to be happy. Forget what you think. Do what you just do the right thing. But sometimes the right thing is not really right for you. You right. know, and this goes this goes down from career to marriage to who you date, like who you bring home. Because I told my mom, I was like, I'm done dating, trying to impress my family, like bringing the right woman to the cookout just so you can see how fine she is. But if she don't make me happy, then I'm not bringing her home. Like, no, does she make me happy? Like, am I, you know? And I had to look at that from just career, from career to dating, to personal life, to how I make, you know, how I meditate in the morning. Everybody's meditation is different. So whatever makes you happy, that's basically what I push the most now. And that's the point of having this show. I'm trying to upgrade the time that we learn this knowledge. Uh -huh. too, too many times and too often we learn this knowledge in our 20s. This is knowledge we should learn when we're six years old. Yeah. We're able to comprehend what, mental, what meditating and what faith is and with understanding financial literacy at six, seven, eight. If we can play video games, be on our phones and do all these other great immaculate things with technology, we can understand life skills. Which brings me to my next question. Now, this is a new fun question I've added to the show. I was talking amongst a bunch, amongst a, a bunch of men. I was talking to the homies and a question floated around and sadly no one had the right answer, so to speak. My question to you, <laughs> did you ever get a sex talk? Who or what gave you sex education? Um, man, the attitude, man, I had, you know what? I take that back. I was trying to figure out when, I, when, when, when all things boiled down, I did not really get the sex talk until I got to my junior year in high school. My dad was the first person that he didn't really give me a sex talk. He would always say things like, dude, I don't care how hard you get, man, wrap it up. I do not care. <laughs> and I'm like, that is not a sex talk. Yeah, listen, like, <laughs> it's no bad answer because men, we have failed to give our kids the, a real deep STD, yeah. this baby, financial literacy, 18 years of paying for this. If you're not with this woman, like the real, not scare you, but give you the real sex talk. And I hope and I pray that whoever's listening, you start really giving a, like give the real sex talk. Don't give it like, hey boy, Babe, get out there and mop that floor. Like, <laughs> like what? What's that scene in um, Love Don't Cost a Thing with Nick Cannon and Steve Harvey? That's basically, that's basically kind of how it is though. It's like, I mean, I mean, cause I mean, I think cause to from a parent to a kid is like, it feels kind of awkward, but I mean, I don't know, but I do feel like we live in a day now where, cause we got the internet. So it's like, it's kind of hard. You know, we, we live in a Google era where you can Google up anything. Yeah, I know. Right. See, the thing is, you know, you know what it is, but you don't know the responsibility of it. Exactly. That's the part. And, yeah. the, and I think that's the part we're missing, like the responsibility of it. You can't stop nobody from engaging in their natural emotions in that moment, but we, they can have knowledge, a little bit more knowledge of self, at least. I'm and I'm and I'm saying as early as 10 years old, because you don't want to introduce those things because the, the the drawback is you start looking at things in a sexual manner when you start learning about sex things don't become so innocent no more that's true things become like wait man that was awkward if you're around children if anyone's around children and you see a child look at something and you look at it as sexually explicit and they're just enjoying it for what it really is 
that's because your mind is already transforming to the other side. That's true, man. I'm telling you, I, I used to I used to hate going to movies with with my parents too, because it would just be so awkward. Like it had love scenes in it, and then my parents would just cut. They would just cover my eyes up and stuff like that. So it was never like an actual talk on like this is what this is. This is why people do it. It was just when I got 16, like my dad was just saying like, look, like if you don't use protection and you, you run the risk of having an STD and having babies and it might be with the wrong woman. And, you know, so not when I got 16 though, but at 10, yeah, it was like, I mean, 10 might be Google. low, 10 might be low, but I just think, I think that just going for the apex the way we do hey man strap it up yeah. you know you don't have no kid no std it's like there's so much more <laughs> there's so much more stuff but beneath the apex of everything it's like it's so much more than that and especially for men who mature slower than women right so there's yeah. a response there's no there's a responsibility for us to be to, for us to for us to not hunt as hard I know that sounds crazy, but nah, you're right, man. You're definitely right. <laughs> because it could hurt us. That's how guys get friend zoned. That's how guys get all this other stuff. And you can avoid this stuff with a conversation where you can make better moves. Yeah, because I've been friend zoned plenty of times. And the, the, for the reason that you just said, because it's like, I'll tell you, man. And then, like, I mean, I mean, and I don't want to keep blaming the school system for it because, like, I was just, I was just saying, saying this to my, to my boy a couple of days ago like like we spend more hours at school than we do at home like 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 our responsibility or the teacher is more responsible for us than our parents so it's like so it's like you know i don't know some schools have sex education but like our parents don't really because you know our parents work eight hours a day so when the time when we get home we got to do our homework so our parents don't have time to sit and, and ask like okay like are you if you're gonna start having sex, like, like nine times ten, we're learning sex from our friends, like, yeah. you know, at school, like the, the wrong people who have no experience, but the people that no made ex- you, who definitely practicing it, <laughs> don't say nothing about it. <laughs> like, yeah, like you got friends at school, they 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 talking more than than they know. I'm like, dude, like you're 15, like, man, listen, hey, listen, there's people out there engaging in in adult activities younger than that. Yeah, but crazy. the problem, what life has taught me, and not to belittle those people, what life has taught me, you burn out at a certain time in your life. You burn out with all the souls and stuff you collected at such an early age. That's true. But that's a whole nother conversation. I mean, you're right. You're but right. Parents, though. I think this this one is on you, parents, guardians, uh, godparents, <laughs> uncles, aunts. Somebody got to be the unapologetic one. He need to know. <laughs> Shoot, he need to know. Yeah. Y'all talk to him like that. He need to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Should there be a basic training program amongst men, a level of education, skill traits given to all black people and communities? What I mean by that is in our communities, whether impoverished or not, we just talked about things that we had to live through to learn. I feel there should be something that's mandatory within that that helps us have financial literacy, communication, how to change a tie, how to wear a nice suit, whatever color it may be, gardening, general wealth building, stock camps, talking about stock, real estate, sitting down, talking with the elderly. Like, I think these things should be mandatory in all our communities, especially black communities, because we, we, we need to up our average. We need to up our game 
in terms of like knowledge and understanding with communication and financial literacy outside of education outside of church outside of the boys and girls club i'm i'm talking parents or mentors people coming into these communities and this is an everyday thing this is we 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 galvanize our kids minds to say yo Reebok just stock went up a dollar and that's their conversation at 12 13 years old they're excited about stock they're excited about how to change the tie do you think it should be like a military like not maybe i say military like a mandatory okay. thing in our community because i feel like we have less and less of, of growth in those aspects i do feel like there needs to be some type of training like i said man especially with what has been going on in 2020 as you see the plethora of issues that has been against the black community you know i feel like there there there, there needs to be an actual like attention needs to be brought to the surface about look this is why it's important for us to learn financial literacy it's important for us to learn how to how to own and sometimes it, it doesn't have to be about owning the business it can just be about owning your own property Owning a, you know, you know, owning, you know, owning your own happiness, you know, mm. learning how to be, you know, because we've, you know, us as black people, we've gave, we've have given away our happiness to people that don't deserve it, to cultures that don't deserve it. Let's just be honest. Like we've given it away. Hip hop, we've given it away. R and B, we've given it away. And those same people that we've given it to, they don't give us props us giving it to them because it's always been okay just take it here just take it instead of us owning it we have allowed people to take it and country own music. it we gave away country music gave away we rock. gave away gave away rock we gave away jazz if you be honest we gave away jazz now we're kind of starting to kind of get it back but it's hard because when you play a jazz record what do people say oh that's outdated jazz we don't listen to jazz well, people don't like people, want to pay for it. The value of it has diminished, which is absolute nonsense. Because I'm going to say this. If it wasn't for no jazz, we wouldn't have no hip-hop. The way yeah. people hit themselves, pockets, and music, and and just different things. Though yeah. that basically, when you liken a person like my uh, uh, homeboy out of Atlanta. Ah, I can't remember his name right now. He's on the, the record with T.I. If ain't about the money. Young Thug. Young Thug, yeah. To me, when I hear him, a lot of people don't understand what he's saying, but his vocality sounds like a jazz musician or sax or horn. The way he just, he's scatting when he's rapping and it's, it's a, a special, man. A now, now you may not agree with the content coming out of his mouth. That's up to you where you at in your walk, but yeah, the art of it is special. Yeah. And we have given that, we've given that away, man. It's like, that's why it's important that we learn. And then, and also what I'm learning too, is also important that we learn stick togetherness too. Because, you know, we've, we've kind of suffered in that area a little bit because of, you know, entertainment <laughs> and, you know, and it's just, it's not to make fun of reality TV in a way, but we have been influenced to feel like, you know, we always have to compete against each other. And, you know, as you see with sports, is always competing. I think one of my friends was saying, like, you always hear about Michael Jordan versus LeBron James. 
LeBron versus Kobe, but you never hear about Tom Brady versus Tony, uh, I mean, versus Joe Montana, or you never hear about Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers. Like, like there's never a comparison with Tom Brady and Aaron, Rod and Aaron Rodgers ever. You never hear about those guys competing or talking about who's better than who. It's always, when it comes down to LeBron, Kobe, Kevin Durant, is always, oh, this guy's better than this guy. And then you having debates at the barbershop about, about us, right? Or, you know, the, it's... It, one of the biggest memes that I always hated is the meme that says, what one of these have to go. And it'd be like all of our pioneers, they'll have like... Yeah. <laughs> we'll have like Prince, Michael Jackson, Stevie Wonder, all of, one of them have to die and their music has never been heard before. I'm like, why do we got to do that? Like, why? Like, oh, you're not the only one. I've never seen a meme that said Elvis, uh, Bruce Springsteen, Sting, one of them have to die forever. You know, it's like, no, they, they don't have those. <laughs> they don't have I'm that glad. mentality. Like, no, they don't. I'm glad you're not the only one that thinks that way because I used to get so annoyed. Like, I got so annoyed <laughs> when people would post that. I'll I, I put, I put, no, keep all of them. I'll put it on everybody's post that they said that oh, one has to go. I'll be like, no, I like everybody. And they'd be like, that's not the question. I'm like, no, I like everybody. Yeah. I'm like, like, we got to stop canceling people out, like canceling people's hard workout, man. Like, especially when it comes down to our community, because you know how rare it is, like, for us to be successful. Like, I tell people all the time, like, it's we should have more than a short number of billionaires. Like, I feel like we have, we have, I feel like we we are the reason why like the country is like entertained, like why they want to get up in the morning. Like, look mm. at LeBron, look at, you know, like people wake up in the morning, like right now, James Harden, you know, he's been the topic of discussion right now. <laughs> like, but he's bringing attention to the NBA, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, you're bringing attention to the NBA, like our own people, even with TV, like, we're bringing attention to, and we you just can't keep giving it away and just saying, well, you know, just take it. You know, we just just take it. Like, like you said, yeah. financial literacy. Like, yeah, we have to have a le level of education of business and paperwork. We have to yeah. learn how to fight our battles with paperwork and not physical. And in many ways, other cultures know that we have the temperament to react physically instead of react on paper. Man, to fill out, to fill out grievances, to fill out. Uh, paperwork and continuously fill out paperwork and hire lawyers. We're the most needed lawyer on deck people when most of us don't have retainers because honestly, we can't afford it. But if we started to socialize ourselves and communionize ourselves to when we said, we're going to know that we're all going to teach traffic law stops. So everybody knows the law. We're going to have sample pullovers with our kids like when they get pulled over we're gonna have somebody play an aggressive cop we're gonna have somebody play the lenient cop we're gonna have somebody play all of those roles we're gonna just do all these different exhibitions because that's what sure. it takes i mean that's what it takes that's the game that's what we need to be ready for we can't just keep saying oh they'll be fine when we go out there we'll just pray for them it's not enough it's not yeah. and and, and you, yeah yeah go ahead please you, you're, no you're right and i you know what I'm inspired by what you said because that's why I went to college. I went to school. It wasn't just because, because I was contemplating if I should major in music performance, if I should major in business. And I thought business was the best route to go because like you said, like we have to prepare ourselves for more than just 
you know, what we feel, like I said, looks nice, what we think is cool. Like we got to prepare ourselves because, you know, some, you know, it's like we need more black judges. We need more, you know, we need more, you know, black cops. You know, we need, you know, we need more black owners. You know, like right now, it's a blessing, like what's going on right now in Atlanta. Like, because majority of people that are running, you know, that are running, running America right now, they're all HBCU graduates. Kamala Harris, HBCU. Like, you know how much of a dream that is? Like, college basketball players are deciding to play at HBCUs. Like, is motivation for us. And for me, I had to learn that, like, I don't want to just be a, a musician. Like, I, I want to learn law. Like, I want to learn copyright infringement. I want to learn master recording, publishing business. Like, as a musician, they're not going to teach you that because they feel like, no, your job is just to entertain. You know, we're just going to throw you a million dollars and you just play. No, I want to be involved in the revenue streams. That's why business was important. That's why I love reading books on law. I love reading books on, you know, um, copyright. And I love reading books on publishing and, copyright and you know master recording and you know i love reading books on stuff that has nothing to do with performing because a lot of people think the music business is so boring but that's what's controlling everything like what's going on right now everybody's selling their catalogs but who is it being sold to (laughs) the the business mind it's not being sold to the musicians right you know the businesses are making more money like times 10 in the next five years because they understand cryptocurrency they expand and see what everything is going online and just to reverse back to what we were just talking about even with everything you just said it's just a different mindset if you're a man who works for a corporation of black culture you put a suit on you drive to go to your meeting right other cultures don't have to worry about that drive other cultures don't have to worry about when they step out the door it's just a different life learn lessons of understanding that you're literally still behind enemy lines on a lot of people's mind. D.L. Hughley said it best. The worst man, the worst place a black man can exist is in a white person's mind. It's the worst place. That's true. It's the worst place. That's so facts. Let's turn it up a little bit. Let's talk relationships, shall we? Let's go. I want to poll you real quick. I spoke okay. to several women about this topic. And they claim that men never have this in their criteria. <laughs> Sir, <laughs> Mr. Derek, I would okay. like you to name the top three things you want in a woman. And if you get this right, I will praise you. But I'm willing to bet you do not have what? The one thing that most men do not say in this topic. Give me your top three, sir. And the pressure. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, supportive. That's that's. I'm just saying for me, supportive is. Yeah, yeah. Say for you. There's no wrong answer. Uh, there's no wrong answer. Okay. Uh, there's no. There's no wrong answer. Here's the thing. There's no wrong answer. But the, there's a fact that they're trying to say that this is never said, and and then vice versa. Men or women never say this in their top three. But I'm giving people a chance to prove the whole thing wrong. But let's see. It's okay. not wrong. It's just. I'm just gonna tell you what it is, and you're gonna say, I, I, yeah, that's right." Yeah, mine is uh, supportive, and I'm kind of—I've been learning the love language thing. So for me, affectionate, supportive, and I'm trying to figure what the third one is. I probably would probably say spiritual, but 
Yeah, spiritual, supportive, and affectionate. I might spiritual, say. supportive, and affectionate. Those are great. Basically, everybody's gonna say God fearing to a certain extent. So that's spiritual, right? You're gonna cancel yeah. that out. Everybody, yeah. right? The biggest thing that that people that I evaluated when I'm talking to women and men is that no one says intelligence. Intelligence, yeah. Actually, yeah. That I should have. When I'm in spirit, I should have put intelligence there. <laughs> Yeah, I should have no put one, that Listen, there. no one says intelligence ever. Like, it's like, uh, I want them to be smart. Intelligence. And that's what you need in this world. That's true. I'm so mad I didn't say intelligent because that's <laughs> so that's so true. Don't get no, mad. Just you, we we could just we just we're learning from each other to upgrade this conversation. I challenge you to go to your parents, go to a friend and say, hey man, what are the top three things you want? I want you to prove me wrong. You can DM me and let me know, but nobody's gonna say intelligence. Yeah, I got an older girlfriend because of intelligence. Like, like it's yeah, she's older than me. Like, but it's because she's. It's like it's not like you know. Because I guess I mean I don't I don't know. I think like I said, like we're so visual. Yeah, you know, men us men we're visual. I mean, me personally, I'm very visual. So is everything is like well, she don't look that nice, so. And then you're like you're you're overanalyzing instead of saying like no like it's, she's smart like she's supportive like like she can help you like you know <laughs> she, yeah. she can help you like raise a family like and I'm understanding about family like you do have to be intelligent you have to yeah. be smart yeah like well, you can't to make that. a family you ain't got to be smart but to secure yeah. an empire you might want to have a plan or two or a vision like you always say. Yeah, so See, yeah, you're definitely right. We talk about leaving a legacy, but we ignore major steps. Now I know you're not an old man. I know you're um, not a young man. I know you're in the, you know, you're creeping up a little bit, but do yeah. you have a will? <laughs> do I have a will? Because I'm not, I, I don't I don't speak deaf early into my life. I do not have a will, but I do know the older I get, I'm gonna have one. See, see, but see, I, let's talk about that. That's that's the whole point of this question. Why do you think black people are so afraid to talk about what? Is it because of the deaf topic? Yeah, I think because of, yeah, because of the deaf topic. I mean, that's just me, but I do feel like because of the deaf topic, that's why we don't wanna have one set up. But then some people are different. Some people just, like you said earlier, not intelligent, you know, don't have the smarts. Cause eventually you have to prepare just in case. If We're something just ignorant does, to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just in case you have you have to prepare. Like you have to know, okay, look, if I'm married, you know, I have to make sure I put down in a will my wife gets this. Or like if I have two kids, I have to make sure I put down this goes to my kids. Like eventually if something happens like like insurance like at yeah, some point exactly like, it's important that <laughs> I, listen <laughs> I, I challenge everybody mr cameron wesley came on this show he said he okay. challenges people to look at death as an investment it's not death as in it's all over it's an investment and what i believe he meant by that is is you have the right insurances you have something called pod's at yep. the bank where your money can transfer right away. You don't have to go through probate court for all your belongings. It's, it's a courtesy. It's like a courtesy flush for all the dumps you took in life. So everybody doesn't have to go back and, and clean up your entire latrine. You just yeah. want to have things in order. Now, 
most people say I have nothing to leave behind. People don't know. You don't know what you really have because other people look at you differently than what you look at yourself. And hopefully everyone will start to look at themselves as great and understand they have plenty to leave behind, plenty yes. of information. And let's just have our paperwork in order. Like I said, it's a business to have the right investments. He talked about taking out insurance policies on his parents. And he said a lot of black people get offended and feel disrespected for having insurance policies. But he said his other cultural friends who are millionaires or people who make money, look at it as an investment to, in order to take care of the family's lineage, take care of the funeral. So you won't have a GoFundMe. So you won't have these things popping up on the family where everything is taken care of. That's true. That's true. I mean, like you said, like it kind of goes back to the to the training part. Us training, you know, <laughs> like we just have to train ourselves. Like, look, like this is why you need to have life insurance, a life insurance, you know, life insurance policy, and have things already in place, you know. So just in case if something does happen, then I, I look you know, at it as no, I think I think the will should be looked at as as a will to live, as a contract with yourself, saying I'm going to add to this. Yeah. I think because we're, we're a culture who is threatened all the time with so many times of death, we don't even want to discuss it when it's not around us. Nobody wants to bring that in their home. Just, every time you step out your home, you're fighting for your life. Yeah. And in some cases, Breonna Taylor, the young lady from, from Dallas, you're in your home minding your own business. Right. So the topic of death and talking it, I do understand. Yeah, that's that's probably been a difficult part. And the funny thing is, I think because, you know, us as black people, man, we, we we've been taught to live to survive day by day. As you see, like you said, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, and even just in our communities, it's like we have the mindset of living to survive, survival mode. Like you never know what's going to happen. And it's not just with us, it's with cops, it's with, you know, it's with anybody. So it's like, you know, we just have, we just don't have that mental capacity to say, you know what, I should just prepare just in case something happens. It's like, for me, you know, I've been, <laughs> I think because, you know, I think because, and like you said, you do have a lot of value, more than what you think you have. Like me as a musician, I know that when I get older, I know eventually, I, yeah, I'm going to have to, I'm going to write a will. Because the more music I put out, the more music I put out 20 years down the line is going to be worth more than what it was when I first put it out. Right. As I'm learning about catalog, like catalogs are worth way more when the person is dead. Like when they're not here, catalog goes up, it skyrockets. Like Bob Dylan's catalog, when he, when he, when like, that's going to be worth so much money in the next mm -hmm. 25 years. Michael Jackson's catalog is worth a lot of money you know, after he passed away. Kobe's jersey or autograph, whatever, is worth a lot of money after he passed. So, I yeah, like you said, like value, you, you, you'd you be surprised how much you're really worth. You don't yeah. even know it, but when you're, once you're dead and gone, you realize, you know, oh. Yeah, and once you get in that <laughs> mode where you're operating at your purpose, where you actually find who you are early because we all working together to talk and build each other up earlier, yeah. We'll find more purpose in a will, and we'll find that it's not a death sentence, but it's a contract willing to, to will yourself to living. That's true. 
Now let's play a little marriage games. Well, I know you're not married, but I like to ask this question to all men. And there's no wrong answer once again, but it's one of those questions. I would love to hear where you're at with it. And I would like you to explain your answer when you answer. Is that okay, sir? That's fine. D-Rim, are you ready? I'm ready, let's do it. As a husband, would you rather have a great woman or a great wife? <laughs> Yo, a uh, great wife. Break it down for me, man. I mean, a great woman, it's a lot of great women out here. But a great wife, that's just that's just yours. Great wife is everything all in one. So great wife for sure. Okay, and listen, hey, listen, there's no wrong answer. I love to hear people's analogies of what they feel will drive them. And men yeah. choose women and men choose wife. And I just love to hear their answers. But validation from your partner. It's like you win a championship when you meet the right woman. Okay. D-Rim, do you defend the title? And what I mean by that is, are you sending a little te text saying, hey, how you doing? How's your day? Are you doing the things that she likes that you know makes her feel special? Are you competing with the earlier versions of yourself to be the better version you are today? Are you defending the title? Yes, of course. Because like I was, <laughs> like I was saying earlier, I've, 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 I've been building my way out of insecurity, but sometimes when you're insecure, it will kind of teach you how to keep defending something that you mm -hmm. already have. Mm. So that's kind of the blessing in being a little bit insecure, but not, you know, I, I learned that from Mike Tyson. He used to always say, you know, the insecure people are the most powerful ones. Because if you have that insecurity, then you are always trying to find a way to keep it, even though you already have it. And for me, I will always be that guy that will always put in effort. And then I'm very spontaneous. So I will always, you know, I, I love surprises. I mean, I love surprising my woman. Like I would just do it just because it's just, it's just a habit of mine. Sir, well, make sure you keep it up. Even the moments where you don't like each, love each other, you still like each other. Make sure you keep up the surprises because she expects it from you not to drop the ball in that regard. Yeah. Exactly. Defend the title, man. You don't want nobody else coming to try to steal your chip from you. Take your trophy it's, away. You know what I mean? People are out here in the world that are like, it's like, it's risky because it's like, you know, yeah, I'm at home, but somebody might show up at work and you might be attracted to somebody on, you know, at, at the bar or you might be with your girlfriends and, you know, you might accidentally might dance with somebody and you yeah. like, wait, I'm married. Like, you know, so yeah, you gotta, you gotta make sure that you keep it going. You gotta yeah. remember that it's good over here. Don't mess of it course. up. Of course, exactly. <laughs> One more question, man. Well, not like a question. I came up with something called operating at a hundred percent. And what I mean by that is, I came up with this ratio where it's five categories worth 20% each broken down. And every day you add these percentages up to give yourself an average at the end of the week to let us know or let yourself know that you're working towards your purpose. The five categories are purpose, health, confidence, money, and knowledge. 20% each. Purpose means you're working on your purpose every day, doing the things that you need to do, your calling. Health means you're meditating, you're praying, you're eating right, working out, you know, mental health. Confidence means you're not intimidated. You're doing things out of not, not being insecure. You're working your insecurities great. Money is that you made a little money today, invest a little money, or, you know, you balanced and paid some bills. Knowledge, you learned something. You took in some information. How much information depends on you. 
Now, out of the last 24 hours, Mr. D. Rim, purpose, health, confidence, money, and knowledge. Out of all of those percentages added up, to, which equals 100, how much percentage do you think you have today within the last 24 hours? Percentage with each one or overall? Yeah, each one. Overall. Give us an overall. Purpose... Purpose, man, it went to like about 85. But I do know purpose, you know. Well, here, you know, here's, we here's know. the thing. Purpose is only worth 20%. So out of 20, oh, no, each, out of each 20. one is 20. Each one is 20, got you. Um, I'll probably say 10 with purpose because I'm starting to really understand what, per what my purpose is. And that's just to put smiles on people's faces and make sure that they are the best version of themselves and do what makes them happy. Outside of me doing music, that's the whole bottom line. So I, I have discovered what my purpose is. I'm just, I just say 10% because um, I don't know what else down the line is gonna happen, yeah. how that's gonna take me. Cause I never thought that I'll be a producer. So I'm trying to see what exactly my purpose is gonna take me next. Is always so I'll say 10. growth. Absolutely. Exactly. So 10% with that. Health. Yeah, health is 10 too. Because <laughs> I'm I'm 28 years old and I'm starting to work on kind of health is more than just food. Health yeah. is what you watch, what you read. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying I'll probably say 14% in health. I'll lead the 6% to eventually I'm going to change my diet a little bit. I'm, I'm doing college student vibes right now. <laughs> college so, student vibes. I ain't over with that. Confidence. Yeah. Confidence. Man, I would say 16%. 4% of it. I still have a little bit of, you know, I'm a humbled guy, but a little bit too humbled sometimes to the point that it can kind of keep me away from some opportunities like, like, so, like like the friend zone conversation we was having earlier, <laughs> you know. Like, hey, listen, I know all about the friend zone, man. I was I, yeah. I majored in it. If there was a yeah. college for it, okay. Yeah, I made a song called Friend Zone just because of it. It was it was that bad. <laughs> man, go check out the song Friend Zone by D Rim. Okay, listen to it. We're gonna talk money, but we don't. I don't know how much money you made or got, but I want to talk financial literacy. Did you do some good financial literacy within an out of twenty percent? Um, I would say in 2020, it's at 18. Mm. And I'm saying that because I learned, I learned, it's an artist named Russ, and he talked about pandemic proof. And he was saying how it's a lot of artists that made a lot more money in COVID than they did before COVID. And I didn't understand it till, you know, he was teaching artists like when you're independent, it's about putting out consistent content and learning how to monetize. So I've learned how to monetize a lot more than I've learned how to invest in stock. Like I, I've invested into stock in 2020. Like I didn't even know about stocks until I started doing research on it. So I've learned about stock market. I learned about ownership. I learned about, you know, LLC and I've just started LLC with my vision over sense, you know, getting merch done and, building my website and making money from selling, you know, selling my music and engineering, like never thought that would be possible. I've done more shows. I've traveled more in COVID than I have in any other year. And, and, like, and the crazy thing about it, what all that is, you know, nothing, it, nothing 
nothing would ever put me on a corner to sell no drugs if I knew about the stock market. Ever. Yeah. You know, if, if it's just nothing with, I'm not saying I sold drugs. I'm just saying in general, coming from the hood where I come from, people think that's the first place more often than not that you run to right. to be successful. If we knew about the stock market, if we wasn't taking so many jump shots, running with so many footballs, it's just different. Different, man. I mean, we want the people. I want to see my homies shoot a basketball, run with a yeah. football, and wrestle and do whatever and play chess. But I also want the homie that's like, yo, uh, Amazon just came out. Something called Amazon. This stock just came out. We should all look at it and, you know, go pack groceries or something craziness like back in the day to get the money to buy some stock because it's going to be big when we 10 years from now. Like, I want that homie too. That's true because as I'm learning, entertainment is temporary it does absolutely not, does not last forever like like me as much as i love music i know i cannot produce forever i cannot record forever i might want to dive into just forever money like you were talking about earlier about the will thing like forever money like you know the best money is when you're not working <laughs> you know when you you know me learning that about not working to get money like well, let me say this and let me let me throw back at you what you said earlier your dad said when you were little you were a dad and then when you grew you he became your father and then when you he you became an adult became a mentor uh-huh. attribute that to the music business you give birth to your things you you take over it you father it and then you mentor at the end the mentor part is the next generation of people who want to learn from you because you're a library a walking library to try to to try to maneuver through the manure that they're in. So you take them through it faster. So what your dad said was very profound about being a dad, father, and a mentor. I think that's the same thing with the music business. You have this, like Jay-Z said, you have this white hot space that most people can't operate in for too long. And then you move on. Not to say that you're not hot and it's still important, but it's a white hot space. And I think that white hot space is when you're a father, when you're in fatherhood mode. And then when you get into mentor mode, you watch this other person in the white house space. Uh, I believe your task is to teach them how to be there longer or handle the paperwork better because you went through it. So tribute to your dad. And the yeah. fifth thing, knowledge, sir. Knowledge, I would say, I would say that's 19 and a half. And I'm saying half because there's always more to learn, but knowledge is at 19, 19% because like I said, we're in a pandemic, but it's crazy how much knowledge I've, I've gained. You know, I told, you know, because some people are not going to agree because people say the pandemic is, is, it's been, it's been horrifying and it's been stressful, but the pandemic for me was a blessing because I've done so much research and it taught me how to sit and reflect and calm down and actually read more, mm-hmm. observe a lot more, study more, you know, Cause you know, when before pandemic it's like, we were always on the go. Like we didn't have time to just sit and think and read and just relax at the house. Right. You know, now it's like we got more time to be on our phone and look up research and read books and, you know, look at YouTube tutorials. Like, like I've seen more people start businesses <laughs> now than ever. Like, and because of the knowledge that has been given to us, you know? So I would say that's been at a 19% for sure. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. You are now a part of the Silhouette Boys Club. It is people like you who move in the shadows to help people like me shine. 
Now, D-Rim, before you go, we like to get referrals on the show. We like to ask our guests to refer someone else you think can come on the show and drop those gems like you did today to better the conversation in manhood. Do you have anyone today? I have a few people, but you said I, I, I got to pick one. Well, you, you no, we take we take all requests. We take all referrals. Take all requests. I got to get the girl's name. Wait, do, how do they say her full name or? No, 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 it has to be a man. Name. We talking manhood. No oh, manhood, manhood. We, we, we got, listen, hold on D. We got a female version of the show called Solutions for Her where the women talk, but okay. then right here, Solutions for Men is where the men talk. Okay, got you. So for right now, I would say you need to, you need to get in touch with Dorian from Group 82 Music. That's the guy that I've, I've been I've been paying attention to a lot. Like, like all of my videos and meme pages, I've been watching his stuff, his content a lot. I would say you need to get in touch with him. Like, we're gonna get in touch love. with Dorian, and we're gonna see if Dorian will come on the show. Now, you yeah. gotta also reach out to Dorian for us to let him know that we are on our way. I sure would let him know, like. Like he actually did my logo for my business. So I'm actually gonna hit him up today. He likes yeah, hit him up today and let him know. Before yeah, yeah. you go, we need some social media shout outs where we can find you, listen to your music, support your entertainment business, support that merch, all the things you got going on, drop it on us right now. Um, Derek Remsen, D-E-R-Y-C-K, Remsen, R-I-M-S-O-N. That's all my social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Derek D. Rim Rimson, YouTube, Derek Rimson Music. My website, of course, you guys, make sure you guys go to my website, www.derekrimson.com. EP is out right now. I got a new single out right now called Let Me Show You. New music video dropping. I have new merchandise coming out February 2021. That's also in a couple weeks. I'm dropping masks and hats and also Vision Over Sense merch is coming out soon. So make sure you guys check me out, man. And once again, I'd like to thank you, man, for having me on the show. I really It was great. I'm so, man. I'm so like, I want, I want people to know, man, I'm really like happy for you, man. Like, cause <laughs> Thanks. no, like for real, like black brother to black brother, man, it, this is not easy to do, but I love how like you're doing your thing, man. And it's, it's, it's amazing what you're doing, man. So keep at it, man. I'm happy for you. Hey, man, I appreciate it, man. At 1,000%. Like I said, these shows will be running out. For those who listening, he said February. So we'll have definitely have this show on in February in full detail. So we hope that you listen. We hope you listen in 10 years from now, basically. So let's keep it real. And I got an end quote here from Miles Monroe. I like to start initiating and saying at the end of the show. Quoted by Miles Monroe. He said, true success is not measured by how much you have or done. It's accomplished or compared to others. Have done or accomplished. True success is what you have done compared to what you could have done. In other words, living in the maximum is competing with yourself. It's living up to your own true standards and capabilities. Success is satisfying your own personal passion and purpose in pursuit of personal excellence. Question of the day question of your life are you maximizing your life this everybody d rim i appreciate you coming on today i know i could have read that end quote better but we're gonna get better as we go along now you this, said, is, man. this is solutions <laughs>